Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, the show where we talk about movies and, well, more movies. I'm D-Man, joined by CP. CP, how are you doing today? I love your shirts. Is that uh, Looney Tunes or Toon oh, Squad? Oh, Toon you're going... Squad. <laughs> Straight Michael Jordan right there. Is that the uh, Michael Jordan or LeBron James version? Uh, I mean, come on, dude. You know me, so it's the LeBron one, obviously, because I'm a huge LeBron fan. JK, JK oh. listeners, this is the OG Michael Jordan one. The only Space Jam movie worth watching. I actually, I think we did. did we talk about Space Jam? I actually kind of like the new one. Okay. I mean, <laughs> first of all, there's a whole movie remake time about Space Jam. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm pretty sure we had an episode about and that. And you hated it. the new one's terrible. I hate it. I hate it so much. Well, if you are interested in watching that, you can uh, scroll back through our greatest hits and find that episode. And we'll talk about Space Jam. But for today, pretty excited for the episode we have in store. We both finally saw Avatar, The Way of Water. So we're going to be discussing that. We're going to do it pretty spoiler free, but you know, we will say up front that there is potential that we may drop a spoiler. So if you haven't seen Avatar yet, go see it. But also, I hope you enjoy the conversation because we do have some thoughts on it for sure. Before we get into our discussions today, CP, I did want to do a couple shout outs per the usual. First up on our shout outs this week is actually going to go to uh, Connor Geary, who listened to last week's episode and heard his own shout out for his movie Help Wanted that I gave in the unexpected gems of 2022. Connor actually messaged me and said, dude, no way. Really? That's so nice. Thanks, man. No problem, because I actually love that movie and I'm excited to see what movies you'll be making going forward. I'm assuming he's going to submit more for the uh, CFC Festival this year. So hopefully we'll see more work from you. That would be awesome. Next up on my shout outs is actually going to go out to at Jazzy the Great, who followed me on Twitter. But CP, here's the thing. I am not sure where her account is at at the moment because I tried to tweet at her about Harry Potter. Apparently that handle is either gone or changed. I don't know what it changed to. So I don't know uh, where you're at, Jazzy <laughs> well. the Great, on Twitter. So if you could just uh, maybe Maybe tweet at me again or leave us a comment on one of the videos or something. Let us know. Did you leave Twitter? Are you under a new handle? Where are you at? On that note, we have another but. We did get a comment from Jazzy on YouTube who said, oh, I love this 2022 wrap-up episode. I'm way early on this, but the film Groundhog's Day starring Bill Murray turns 30 this year. Is it worth a total rewind segment? Oh, love the suggestion. Thank you so much because we may be doing that. Thank you so much. Now, now we have some exclusive Groundhog Day content to celebrate Groundhog's Day. She went ahead and aged herself and said, also, I turned 30 on Groundhog's Day. I had no idea this movie came out that year I was born. So <laughs> 30 years. That's exciting. Happy pre-birthday. Thank you for your comment. Now, also, she did chime in and say, also, Happy New Year's, Dustin. And congrats to you and your wife on your new place. New year, new home. So cool. So thank you. Didn't wow. give a shout out to CP. I appreciate that. <laughs> wow. Okay. I guess I'm supposed to have a lousy, a crappy new year. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> 2023 is, is not going to be CP's year, apparently. <laughs> on Instagram, Jacqueline Kelly said, I wanted to see Avatar because it looks so pretty. And I believe she was on sure if she was talking to me or you and it was you it was me in she fact ended up, yeah she ended up saying in there that she can uh, read your sass anywhere so you know cp what can i say it's a gift you have a, a very distinct style brad banaka actually chimed in and said tell me when and where in reference to the fact that we had mentioned let's get him back on the show so we're gonna set that up brad will be in contact and we would love to
to have you back on the show. That would be fantastic. And then last goes to uh, Ivor Drake. We appreciate your comment here, man. Thank you. He said, great year and episodes. My top three movies are Top Gun Maverick, Prey, and Glass Onion. It's actually a pretty good list. Prey was surprising. I did not think I was going to like that. And then I saw it and actually, I thought it was pretty good. No, I feel the same way. And I actually really enjoyed Glass Onion too. Or no, I'm sorry. I saw Knives Out. I haven't seen Glass Onion yet. So that's one on my list I actually am going to watch in 2023. So I've heard it's really good. There's a debate going online that uh, Glass Onion may actually be better than the original Knives Out. I will watch it. Maybe we'll get a discussion going on that, Ivor. He also said, I have a question for you too. Now, CP, we're going to clarify here, but he said, what are the top three movies seen by you that were not released in 2022? So here are his, Predestination, Heaven Can Wait, the original, and Noises Off. Great list. Heaven Can Wait and Predestination. I've seen both those and they're great. Noises Off. I'm not even 100% sure what that is. I could have <laughs> looked it up in pre-production, but CP, do you know that movie? Uh, that one, I'm not sure. Do not. I, I'm not sure what movie that is. I'll have to look it up. But if you have clarification, Ivor, let us know. But here's the thing. Now, are you asking the movies that we saw in 2022 that were not released in 2022? I think that's what... That's what I That's what I think it means. Technically, what are the top three movies seen by you that were not released in 2022? That well, could like, be our favorite movies, yeah, best yeah. movies of all time. D-Man's going <laughs> to say Star Wars, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars Return of the Jedi, probably just for... Yeah the sake of it Jurassic Park and that's probably his list you're actually remarkably close I did write that down and I wrote my favorite movies of all time were Star Wars Jurassic Park and Home Alone that's a pretty good list <laughs> so we have talked about I think we've talked about all those on this show except I, I don't know if we've actually done original Star Wars we always talk about Star Wars in relation to other movies but we haven't gone all the way to a full episode on Star Wars which maybe we'll have to do that if I'm talking about movies that I saw in 2022 that were not released in 2022, these are the movies that I saw that I really enjoyed. First up is actually Dragon Ball Z Broly, which is a movie Yay. I think everybody would expect me to have seen by now, but I didn't. And I actually <laughs> got to watch it. Thank you very much, CP, due to your voodoo account. I do you I have can. the movie. Yeah, I was supposed to go see it in theaters and never actually made it. So I was able to finally watch that one and it turned out great. I thought the uh, end battle was really good. The animation was cool because throughout they kind of have throwbacks to different animation styles throughout DBZ history. I do want to apologize. I think I said Dragon Ball Z Broly. Is it Dragon Ball Super Broly? Yes, I believe it's Dragon Ball Super. Yeah, I like Dragon Ball Z. We're also going to talk a little anime on this episode. So stay tuned for that. Number two on my list, a movie I just never seen and decided to check out. I've heard people put it on their lists i know people were nominated for oscars for it but silver linings playbook oh so i love that movie yeah love it actually ended up being kind of a oddly dark and delightful movie there's some weird aspects but the performances were indeed great and that was one that i just had on my list and needed an evening to myself to be like what do i watch tonight mm -hmm. and i was like all right let me finally check this out and then the other movie that i watched this year that was not released this year was uh in the heart of the sea starring thor himself chris hemsworth and it's a variation on one of the oldest tales moby dick mm -hmm. and i thought it was really really well done although i did think the story dragged a little bit as it went on you don't see a lot of those period pieces like that made anymore they just don't do them yeah. it's a little bit different so what about you I've, I've been talking about my list for a while <laughs> what did you see this year that wasn't released in 2022 so i have a top three that i saw that didn't come out this year number three is from 2020 it's bloodshot it's actually based on the 
comic book character and it stars Vin Diesel. And I mean, I'm not going to tell you it's a great movie, but it is an entertaining, violent movie. And it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Number two is actually Heat from 1995. No, 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 no. Before oh. everyone freaks out, I have well, seen yeah, I gonna, You Heat. haven't seen Heat? I what have not F? seen the director's cut of Heat. I had only seen the theatrical cut. And the director's okay. cut is like an extra 15 minutes long. I'm counting. You needed some clarification. I think Heat's good, but I actually thought the director's cut was even better. Stepping it up a notch. And number one for me, and this is going to be a, I, I'm actually curious to know if you've ever seen a D-Man, the movie Paddington from 2014. I, I saw, haven't seen Paddington, but I have seen its Rotten Tomatoes score, which is remarkable. So I saw Paddington 2, which I read an article in 2017 when Paddington 2 came out, where someone essentially lambasted the Academy for not nominating it for Best Picture. So I was like, if a movie about a talking bear should be nominated for Best Picture, I have to watch it. And I was actually blown away because it was incredibly good. Is but it I better than a- Ted? <laughs> yeah, but I never got around to seeing the first. So I finally watched that and it is actually pretty amazing. If you haven't seen awesome. it, you should check it out. Well, Ivor, while we're on the topic, I also went ahead and uh, picked the three best films of all time because <laughs> I didn't know what you were talking about. For me, the three best movies and these we're getting a little technical here, but the best movies ever. I'm going to go number three, Saving Private Ryan. Love the movie. I watch it every year. Still the opening scene, the landing on Normandy Beach on D-Day is insane number two cp this is going to be controversial i don't think you're going to like it but i'm going to go with galaxy interstellar no not not even christopher nolan no i love that movie no no it's way too serious way too serious for people going to other planets you need more it's not my favorite nolan film i like dark knight and inception more than that but it is honestly it's like a technical and scientific fiction masterpiece i love interstellar i think it's a great movie And it has an amazing score. But number one, I'm going to put it as The Godfather. Love that movie. Fantastic. Now, CP, you look angry. No, 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 no. I just, I didn't know we had to list best movies of all time. So I have zero list. So Ivor, I can't answer that question for you. I gave some honorable mentions too. Goodfellas, Pulp Fiction, and Vertigo, which all those are classics. Anyway, Ivor, thank you for the comment, for the question. Hopefully these lists answered your question in some way or another. We just, we appreciate all the feedback guys. So it sounded like the uh, New Year's recap episode was very well received. That was cool because we actually did come up with a bunch of lists and we were excited for that episode, excited to record it. It was, and actually it, It's a perfect segue into the first thing I want to talk to you about. Both of us mentioned in the last episode of the podcast that one of the movies we were most excited about seeing this year was Avatar 2, which neither of us had seen at the time of recording. But yes, we were both determined to get in and see it in the theater. And I know that finally happened. We got to talk about it, dude. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to establish out of the gate. CP saw Avatar The Way of Water in 3D. The way it was meant to be seen. I saw it in 2D. Such a disappointment. There is that. I have to say, I do think if there was ever any movie I was going to see in 3D, that's the one. And I was a little bummed when I went, but here's the deal. So everyone understands why we ended up in the place we ended up. And that is... We went with our nephews and family members and everybody had gift cards and movie passes and they did not work for 3D. It's as simple as that. I'm going with the group and I'm like, hey, all right, we're doing 2D. Nothing more complicated than that. Got to see Avatar for free. You saw it, and we'll be fair to the audience. We won't drop a bunch of spoilers at this point but we for might. you. But we might. I don't know. Maybe. So if you're even questioning okay. it. We this... won't intentionally drop spoilers. But <laughs> we tend to spoil stuff on this show. So yeah. the funny thing is we control the show. So like we could edit it out, but we probably won't. I won't do that. I'm not going to do that at all. <laughs> not if okay. the discussion's that good. Let's just get it out of the gate. D-Man, what did you think compared to... 
the first one. I do think it continues a lot of the things that the first one did really well. So James Cameron, tip of the hat, kudos. You created some true visual eye candy here. The exploration of new areas of Pandora, particularly the beach cultures and the ocean was incredible. He fills the frame out very, very well. There's always something interesting to look at on screen. The movie really is a visual treat. And I imagine that goes up a notch in 3D. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, when they when they start exploring, you know, kind of when they leave the parts of Pandora we were on before and he just spends time exploring the ocean and the beaches and it, it's pretty impressive. I thought the theme, again, a continuation from the first one, but the theme of appreciating nature and the natural world around us works really well here. James Cameron has a great appreciation for the ocean. I know he's done some ocean exploration himself. There was some work done associated with Titanic. He loves to go down in the water in submarines and like all this stuff. You can tell his love of the ocean here. And I think that comes through. That is a general theme of Avatar and that'll continue in the sequels. Machines versus nature dynamic that plays out really well. I also thought something that was interesting to me, I don't know if you noticed this CP, but there were a couple homages to James Cameron's past work. I noticed so, one at the end that seemed like a reference to Titanic, but what was yeah. you pick up? <laughs> when one of the ships lands, it like blasts the ground and there's this decimating fire force that wipes out a forest. Reminded me of the uh, Judgment Day scene in Terminator 2 when LA gets wiped out. There's a scene, again, they go into one of the whales and they're extracting something. Reminded me of Aliens. Mm. There's a fight scene on the ship at the end between the protagonist and the antagonist that visually has cues to the end fight scene from Terminator 2 where the lava is. And then obviously, you said it yourself, there is a almost shot for shot direct reference to Titanic. This is the way of water and there are boats and there is a boat that uh, sinks. And <laughs> I mean, it looks an awful lot like Titanic. There, there's even a scene where the boat's like capsizing. They're holding on to each other and he's like, don't let go. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I could see that James Cameron was having a little bit of fun with some of his prior work, paying homage to some of his greatest hits. So I thought that worked really well. You know, I was a little bummed they didn't introduce a very powerful new score. You know, when you look at, here we go. Star Wars. When you look at something like Star Wars, you know what John Williams was able to do with each new episode or sequel by adding new themes on top of the already great body of work that is Star Wars music. Yeah. So the first movie is amazing. And then in the second movie, we get Yoda's theme and the Imperial March. You're like, this is amazing. Those are instant Star Wars classics. And he just constantly is able, you know, the Emperor's theme in, in Return of the Jedi, Duel of the Fates, and you know, you can go through each one. And he's constantly adding another classic. And I just didn't feel that they really got to a new classic here. It just feels like a remix of a lot of the themes and things that came out of Avatar 1. So that was a little bit of a bummer. It's hoping we'd get something really grand, really great. Because mm -hmm. I actually really think the score in Avatar 1 is actually really good. It's a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, I think Disney has incorporated it into their theme parks, right? You can literally like go visit Pandora at the Animal Kingdom in Florida or something. You know, they're using that music. Now, for me, I wasn't a big fan of the first Avatar. I mean, as I said, obviously, visually, it was amazing. We've complained, and as a lot of people have, that the story itself is a rehash. My gripe with it was 
seems like a lot of the concept James Cameron stole from this book in the 50s called Call Me Joe. If you want to know the story on Call Me Joe, Wikipedia, and you will be, it's uncanny how alike to the movie Avatar it is. But I thought this was actually a very original story. I did like the fact that he took the characters that he established, and I was wondering how it was going to pick up all these years later. It's sort of a progression with where they are now and, and life on Pandora. He takes it in a new direction, and I thought that was a lot of fun. Instead of rehashing which I felt like the first one was in some ways. You know, something that stood out to me immediately was at the beginning of the movie, the premise is that like at this point, Jake Sully has started a family of his own on Pandora. He grows his family very quickly in like the prologue. They kind of get to that right out of the gate. And you see a lot of these characters in the trailer. Something that, that kind of stood out was I really didn't know who the actual main character or hero of the story was. That's because the movie spends an awful lot of time, sometimes with Jake Sully, but then a lot of time with his kids, exploring, learning, doing things. I don't know if James Cameron was trying to position just the family as a whole as like the main character, but I didn't really know. And I think sometimes to the detriment of the story, because sometimes you were kind of like, where, where is this all going? Yeah. That's how I felt was I was like, what's the what's the arc here? And I felt like he does kind of state it explicitly at the beginning and the end. I think the line that I remember most from the movie is like, this family is our fortress. The end of the movie, the point of the film is that he identifies that this is their greatest weakness and their greatest strength, right? Mm -hmm. Their family. The story of the movie is, is coming to the realization that they spend an awful lot of time in the movie running from the sky people in order to protect their family. Yeah. That's kind of the point of the, f the film is that by the end, they come to the realization that they're not going to run. It's interesting. Jake Sully is declared a war hero mm -hmm. at the beginning of the film, right? From his actions in the first film. But the difference now, why doesn't he just stand and fight is that he has his family. He has a lot to lose. He kind of comes to this realization that like, yeah, I could stand and fight, but the odds are incredibly high. Myself or anyone in my family might die. Instead of standing and fighting now, he decides to go on the run. That was kind of the point, but yeah, it's just the movie itself doesn't single out a single protagonist as like the hero of the movie. And so it just spends time in these different spots because this movie's long as shit, like three hours, at least 30 minutes too long, I think. It was three hours almost exactly, and that's a long time for a movie. And so they do spend a lot of time with different characters in different places. A lot of it, part of me is like, I don't know, you could probably cut that out. You don't need it all. If we're getting into stuff that we didn't think worked in the film, I mean, I'm going to throw it out, and this is probably the closest to a spoiler that I intend to bring. Obviously, the villain in this film is a reincarnation of Colonel Quaritch from the first film, but I do not think it is a successful villain for the film. I think in the first movie, he is a very mission-driven villain. Whether we agree with his views or not, he is steadfast in them, that he is doing this to protect humanity, to protect their mission on the planet, to get the resources that they need. And this one, it's just a revenge hit piece that- Yeah, it's like one-dimensional. He's like, oh, I'm just gonna go kill you because you killed who I was My, before. Yeah, original self. But I wasn't really attached to him. It felt a lot like Endgame in the sense that in Avengers Infinity War, the Avengers are fighting Thanos. Thor kills Thanos at the beginning of Endgame and the rest of the movie, they're fighting a Thanos who himself says, like, I don't even know who the F you people are. Yeah, I think Scarlet Witch actually <clears throat> says, she's like, you 
took everything from me. And Thanos comes back and he's like, I don't even know who you are. It does feel like that instance of like, is a new character, really. They're trying, you can see narratively, like they're trying to attach the baggage associated with the original character, but it doesn't really work. And I think revenge is usually a very uh, weak motivator to begin with anyway. And the fact that he seems so kind of lacklustered in his quest for revenge is really one of the big weaknesses that I saw in the film. I also want to acknowledge when we're talking about the villains, the presence of humans on Pandora in this movie feels a lot weaker than it did in the original. I think in the original, they do a great exploration of Pandora from the perspective of the humans who arrived there, right? Mm. But their first introduction is at base, it's training, it's learning about avatars, it's doing all this stuff. Well, in this one, uh, some of those characters from the first movie are actually in this, but I mean, they're very quickly written out. Yeah. Humans, other than the people associated with the villain trying to find Jake Sully, they basically don't even exist in this mm -hmm. movie. It's like humanity sent people back to Pandora just to kill Jake Sully. And I was like, I just can't imagine that's true. And they do have a scene where they're like, oh, we're here to get another rich yeah, thing, material <laughs> or thing, whatever. But it just doesn't feel like the same, yeah. that there's really this presence. It, it's literally like they're not even there to fight the Navi anymore. They're not there for this or that. They're literally like there to kill Jake Sully. And I was like, I don't know. That, I don't know. The other big gripe I had was, <laughs> this is more the fact that just uh, a writing thing on on behalf of James Cameron all the characters are CGI blue people who look very similar yeah. and then he gives them names that are either similar or impossible to pronounce and I just do not think that was smart because most yes, of the movie I didn't I... know who anybody was yeah, I actually, I talked to Steph about this after we saw the movie and I was like, hey, you know, one thing that really stood out to me was names. I was like, honestly, other than Jake Sully, the only other name that I actually remember from the movie is Spider. And that's because it's incredibly easy to remember, right? And yeah. even, I know Navi from the original, but that's barely even said in this movie. I think mm -hmm. maybe there's only like two or three times that that actually gets dropped. I think another good naming mechanism is for the humans. Uh, again, from the first movie, they're called the Sky People. It's very easy to remember. Like, for instance, they go, they find this water tribe on the beach. Do you know, do you remember the name of the water tribe? No I idea. No idea. Do you, do you remember the names of anyone in the water tribe? No. Nope. I don't. No. Do you know the names of Jake Sully's kids? I don't. No. I don't remember any of them. And honestly, I don't even know if I ever actually knew them. They're hard to say. I mean, I'm sure if we saw them on paper, they'd be hard to read. I don't know the names. And I think, you know, the, again, here we go. The best person who's ever done this is probably George Lucas with Star Wars. He creates names that are very easy to remember. Luke Skywalker is also incredibly easy, but like Leia Organa is actually reduced to Princess Leia or the princess, right? You look at C-3PO and R2-D2, he very quickly, and Chewbacca, he gives them all easy to remember nicknames. Chewie, 3PO, and R2. Very easy to remember. Even Darth Vader. If you, if at that time, because now it seems synonymous, we know Darth Vader, but maybe you forgot the word Darth. Everyone remembers Vader. And the hardest name in the entire movie, Obi-Wan Kenobi, gets reduced to Ben. You know, yeah. instead of having to say Obi-Wan Kenobi because he wanted some exotic sounding name, he ends up just being like old Ben. Yeah. You know, and Luke, I think for the remainder of the trilogy, refers to him as Ben. That I, I mean, that never really gets brought up again in the prequels. I don't know where Ben came from specifically, but no, I just think George Lucas does a great job of making these characters instantly recognizable. Each one has a distinct look and feel, so they're not all washed out together. And then the other thing, too, is the names. Like you said, he does a good job of naming people, so we know 
instantly who everybody is and we remember their name. And in here, this was this was difficult. And then the other thing too, you mentioned everybody's blue, right? Well, this movie's called The Way of Water and they're in the ocean a lot. That's a lot of blue. Even in the first one, they're up against like leaves and trees and pinks and yellows and different colors. Mm -hmm. In this one, like it's a lot of blue. Yeah, there's not a lot of contrast on the screen. So even though it's it's visual eye candy and it's fun to look at, like you said, if the goal is to be able to distinctly tell who each character is, I was like, ooh, that's not easy to do. I mean, and I'll be honest, I'm definitely going to go back and see it again and give it another shot. It's a three-hour movie. It's, it's a little sensory overload at times in 3D, and I hope you get to see it in 3D. Yeah, um, I should go. But audience, at this point, if you've seen it, let us know your thoughts. We're curious to know what you thought about the way of water yeah i enjoyed it i mean it was a good movie like i said i i think i like the original avatar more than you do i think it's a worthy sequel the last question i have for you before we move yeah. on from avatar do you think the movie laid out where it's going to go with the sequels actually that's one of the the things i will give james cameron in this one as a, i think a big strength is there is a sense of direction i felt like at the end of the first avatar it seems like a very enclosed story so i was really wondering where it was going to go from here and after watching this movie, it seems like he is setting it up on a path that we can see where Jake's going from here. What's the next step for his characters? Where's his journey going? And I think that that's powerful because at the end of the first one, it seems very, you know. Closed book. Yeah, and it's I was over. like, how, how are we picking this up? So I think that was a great thing he did. Yeah, I just want to get your thoughts because that's one of the <clears throat> hardest things when we know there's more sequels coming. Is there enough here to keep you engaged and excited for what's next? December you know. 2024, right? That's where we get Avatar 3? Yeah, so that's... That's upcoming next year, but definitely I enjoyed the film. I think if you haven't had a chance, I would probably still having only seen it in 2D recommend you see it in 3D. I do think Avatar and James Cameron in particular are making these movies with 3D in mind. There's so much here that I think my experience with 3D on the first movie and how it really engrossed me in Pandora, I would assume the same and maybe even better here just oh, due to the I mean, evolution of the exploring the ocean the you know the final battle is all really incredible in 3d so i i would say watch it um i'm definitely gonna go see it again in 3d shifting gears a little bit i want to i want to throw this over to our audience and over to you as i'm sure everybody does uh, first thing i do is i wake up in the morning as i'm making myself <laughs> a cup of coffee i scroll through the internet for updates on movies and pop culture and I know that that's what everybody else does because it's the most important thing in the world. <laughs> I kind of freaked out this week and I actually sent D-Man this ranting text only to realize that I incorrectly read the article before my first cup of coffee, but that kind of inspired me to brought a bunch of questions up to my mind. So I saw an article about the top 10 actors who should play Goku in the live action Dragon Ball Z movie. So I freaked out. I started angry tweeting people. I started angry texting people only to find that I misread the article and it said, if a live action <laughs> Dragon Ball Z movie were to be made, I thought that, you know, we were going to recreate the mistake that was Dragon Ball Evolution. But it got me thinking, D-Man, why yeah. do anime movies translates so poorly into films so first of all i think there's there's two things at play here and the first is simply just the animation i think anime and animated shows and movies uh can do things 
that live action just doesn't it doesn't translate well to live action for instance weird things right like you know a lot of anime characters have different colored like crazy hair well a lot of the times the way the hair is drawn it stands up or, or does something unique that you know really makes the character instantly recognizable but if you were to try to do that with real people's hair right it doesn't really look exactly right and i <laughs> think these characters point there's just things that happen in the animation. So for instance, a show I watched on Netflix was called Baki and it's this fighting show, but these guys have like muscles the size of like cars, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. they like Hulk up and like Hulk is a great example. We've seen people with big muscles on screen, but there's just something about the animation style that lends itself so well to that medium i don't know that it always translates well to live action that you can achieve the same effect you know anime often does these little they do these kind of frames where people might have a grin you know something i think anime does really well that you don't see translated to big screen very well is often you hear characters thoughts kind of the same way you think of uh when you read like harry potter and harry potter when you read it we're often privy to what harry's thinking in any given and seen that's not in the movie now again that's not to say that that book can't be translated to the big screen successfully we love harry potter on this show so <laughs> cp we do we do say, say we it do? say it out loud mm, I, don't, I don't know that i do i haven't seen all the harry potter movies Oh my God. But I'm saying though, that there's these elements that are all in place along with the animation that really bring anime to life in, in, in its own unique medium. And I just don't know if those all translate well to live action. So number two, not all anime, but a lot of anime is often shows translated into movies. That's often how Hollywood tries to do it. So for point. instance, that's a good point. Dragon Ball Z is notorious for its episodic nature. Next time on Dragon Ball Z, will Goku defeat Frieza? You know, and it's like that same catch-all for like nine episodes. The point is though, that if each episode is roughly 22 minutes, you know, 20 minutes, when you play that out, it's like the fight scene between Goku and Frieza itself probably goes on for a couple hours from when he shows up when Vegeta's in his grave all the way till the end of the Frieza saga. It's interesting to me because I think a lot of times I don't think there's any way to successfully capture that episodic <clears throat> nature of Dragon Ball Z is into maybe a 10 minute final battle that would be in a movie. I just don't know if you can do that. You can capture that same spirit, that same element of the things that people loved about the storytelling structure of the original. Now, what are your thoughts? Because those are those are my two main ones that really stand out. Well, I think the first point I totally agree with and actually calls me back to the Thanksgiving episode of the podcast where I talked about Snoopy wrestling with a chair. And I was like, this could only happen in animation because it's yeah. too absurd and ridiculous for something live action. We buy into the fantasy when something is animated. We don't right. we don't need the the real investment that we expect from an audience when it's live action. It has to portray itself as real. I think that's part of it. I think the other thing just that you're missing is I think there is a bit of a translation in terms of especially with eastern anime being converted into western cinema for primarily western audiences there is a a cultural language barrier and i'm not talking about actual language i'm talking about the styles and as we perceive it, and as we consume content in the united states it's very different than how content is consumed in yeah. japan when you try to take something you know, when you try to take something that's a square and shove it into a triangle, it just doesn't work. It's not the same thing. I think one of the best examples yeah. is an 
We've talked about this, right? If you look at Dragon Ball Z, the way that the characters are portrayed in the anime is very different than characters would be portrayed in a Western comic book. Goku himself does not think of himself first and foremost as this savior of of mankind and humanity. He does it because he knows no one else can do it. But at the end of the day, and I mean, you've said this many times, he's a guy who likes to fight and he wants to push himself and, and try and challenge himself to fight people stronger than him. You know that if they made a, you know, the American live action version of, you know, Dragon Ball Z, he's going to be quote unquote, you know, Superman or something. And that's not who he is. Yeah. And then another point to, like you said, uh, with the adaptations often and live action Hollywood anime has also been knocked a lot for really kind of whitewashing. Often they cast white actors in these roles. They've also moved settings. So a lot of Japanese anime does take place in Tokyo and a Japanese setting, but you know, they'll move it to like Seattle or somewhere else where you're like, "Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't know if you can do that and still maintain the aspects of the original work that were so successful. And so I think that happens. But I mean, you know, if we take a look at some of the examples that have come out, you know, a perfect example when you're getting away from simply the Japanese anime or that specific animated style is something like Avatar The Last Airbender. Clearly, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of the work outsourced to Japanese animation companies. This is an American made or originated product even that did not translate well the m night Shyamalan version just is awful it's terrible like no and he just doesn't capture things that i think obviously the show is very fun but he made the movie very serious he also felt the need to like change people's names like the main character's name in avatar is ang but in the movie they pronounce it ong and you're like (laughs) why why would you do that you know, you're already, yeah. right, going against. But more than that, I think the way elemental powers in Avatar look and feel, they look so beautiful and grand in animation. And when they try to do it in live action, it, it does feel a little bit like an effects pack. Yeah, It doesn't really work. It doesn't capture this same sort of energy and elegance the animation does. It just doesn't. Now, that is not to say that I don't believe that somebody can crack that code and successfully adapt something like Avatar The Last Airbender. I would love to see it. And they're even attempting it, I think, on Netflix. They're going to try to do a live action show based on Avatar. Now, I would love to see them get it right. I don't but know, up dude. till now, what do we have? There's like Death Note, Alita, Battle Angel. There's a couple adaptations through the years that have ghost in the shell yeah but like even that it wasn't successful it certainly oh oh, i didn't think any of these were successful i mean i'm hesitant with netflix wanting to adapt avatar because we saw netflix's horrible adaptation of cowboy bebop yeah i watched a little bit of it and i tried i actually watched youtube videos on it where they did kind of the side by side just so you could see what's going on here and it ah you know i think obviously that show cowboy bebop live action does suffer from you know maybe it just wasn't in the right hands it just does not translate well to what the original is doing but like right now i heard netflix is interested in doing maybe a live action adaptation of my hero academia they're talking about maybe even one punch man uh eventually maybe even baki live action there's there's a lot they're trying to get into that mode and then avatar i don't know i'd have to see it done well for me to get some kind of positive momentum in that direction to be excited about future projects because right now they just they just have not nailed it i think we even talked remember one time when i think we talked about pinocchio and the live action disney remakes yeah i think i said something along the lines in that episode of like you know when you look at something like the lion king talking lions just work better in animation there's just no (laughs) 
no way to make it look like these are real lions that are talking. talking. Yeah. Because they don't talk. No, that's a very, I mean, that's a good point. And I think that's what makes animation so special is that it's a medium that does allow you to tell stories in ways that maybe live action just doesn't accommodate. And that's interesting to me. That makes me appreciate animation so much more. Because in order to truly enjoy the vision that people had for these stories, that's the best medium to tell that story. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the problem too is that when you look at things like like comic books, for instance, or even books in general, when we adapt those, right? When we say they're adapted, there is no moving visual version of those, right? They're static. Directly it's to. frames. It's words. Yeah. We don't have audio associated with a comic book. We don't have video and actual moving visuals associated with that. So when you bring it to life, there's this creative well that people can use and say like, hey, this is how I translate that. Well, when you're looking at anime, it's already there. It's done. Somebody already did it. So when someone else does it, you're like, ah, it doesn't really work the same. It doesn't look the same. You're taking too much creative license. Well, the reason we say that is because it's already, we already have a version of it. So that's a really good point. And I think that's probably part of the the failure in translation. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. I don't know. We, we've talked about different, different elements of things like why don't they translate? And there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. So I don't want to deduce it down to like, oh, hey, it can't be done or this and that. Like I said, I am optimistic that somebody will figure that out and eventually we'll get some kind of grand live action adaptation of Dragon Ball Z that I'll be like, wow, I'm a person that believes like, listen, if you're going to adapt Dragon Ball Z to live action, I want you to push it further. I want you to make something that I would be blown away by, not just take the work that I love and bring it to the big screen. I want you to make something that I would be like, oh my God, CP, if you have not seen Dragon Ball Z in live action, you are missing out. It is insane. It is awesome. You got to see it. That, I I think if we can get the adaptations to a level like that, where I'm like, whoa, this was awesome. You got to go. Then we're on to something. We just haven't gotten there yet. No, I think you're right. That's That's a good point. All right. Question time. Yeah. What do you think? (laughs) I'll give you the good and the bad. And I only need one example. What do you think is the best? Well, we're not even going to say that. Yeah, we will. What do you think was the best adaptation of an anime you've seen? What do you think was by far the worst adaptation? And is there anything that you would like to see adapted into film? Because you think they might be worst? Obviously going to be uh, Dragon Ball Evolution and The Last Airbender. I just don't think either of those captured the spirit of the original work. Again, that's not to say that an adaptation of either of those couldn't be done successfully. I just think they failed so miserably at capturing what fans love about those original works. That may come down to the writers, the filmmakers, or the whole production. I don't know. It just didn't work. One that I like, I did like Alita Battle Angel. I found that to be interesting. I think visually it kind of worked. Although character themselves is animated, so it gives them this sort of freedom that's not truly live action. Mm -hmm. So I'd probably say that. And then what would I like to see? We talked about it they're already doing it and i would like to see netflix knock this adaptation of avatar the last airbender out of the park the original work is fantastic avatar is awesome i love that show it's so fun there's so many important themes going on one of the greatest anti-hero arcs in a show it's amazing the characters are memorable 
The voice acting was stellar. Like I would love to see them knock it out of the park. That's something that they're going to keep trying at it, I guess. And and I hope they can capture that spirit. How about you? Okay. Absolute worst. I mean, Dragon Ball Evolution was pretty bad, but you may remember in 2000, they actually came out with a live adaptation of Gundam. Oh yeah. <laughs> it makes it literally, and they don't even put Gundams in a Gundam movie. Like what, what a waste. One that I actually thought was good. And I thought it's because they didn't try to remake it directly. They gave enough reverence to the source material, but they made it a little different. So I thought it actually worked in the big screen it was actually the Detective Pikachu movie. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, they don't tell Ash's story and the world of Pokemon as we know it from like, say the video game or the cartoon or the anime. But instead, they kind of integrate those characters, but in a unique way. That's not anything we've truly seen before. That was interesting. Yeah. And if I was to see one that I, you know what I always thought would be cool? And maybe it's because it's a, it's a self-contained movie. I always thought the movie Akira about the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah gangs in, in, in future Tokyo. I thought that that could be a cool adaptation if someone who, who loved the original movie and had the Man, I remember reverence did it. Drew Knox got a uh, friend from back home. Love you, Drew. He actually got a big screen TV in his finished basement back in when we were kids, and he put on Akira, and we watched it. It was amazing. <laughs> he also put on The Usual Suspects. Good movie too, which was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that we went on like a movie binge. We, we, his mom like made all this great food and <laughs> it was awesome. Anyway, CP that, that does it for our discussions on this week's podcast. I hope, uh, listeners, you, I'm sure some of you guys have some very, very distinct thoughts on some of this. So be sure to share with us and continue the conversations. You can follow the show at filmmakerscompass.com where we list all of our social media channels, as well as all the episodes in order. So you should be able to find each episode and you can search as well. So if you haven't listened to all the episodes, go back and check them out. Because we referenced this on this time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we did kind of call back to a few on this week's show. So if you want to go back and listen to some of those, if you haven't already, be sure to do that. You can follow me at Big Kid D-Man, where I'm pretty active on social media, and I'm looking forward to conversations with you guys and interacting with everybody. Jazzy, that was you. I was going to send you links on Twitter, but you disappeared on me. So what's your new handle? You can follow me at NDCal5. And remember, we don't want to know, what did you think about Avatar Way of Water? saw it what are your thoughts on these live adaptations of anime films or live adaptations of cartoons in general you know do you have an opinion obviously no ours we could probably do three or four episodes talking about this topic so chime in let us know what you think thank you everybody for listening hope you enjoyed the show be sure to keep watching movies and we'll be back here next week with a new episode of the podcast